Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, my guest is the indefatigable Alexandra De Palma, audio producer, editor, consultant, and teacher. She has produced popular podcasts such as Akimbo with Seth Godin and Food for Thought. She's taught three podcast production courses with Seth Godin, and this is how we met last summer when I was a student in the first The Podcast Fellowship course. I asked Alex to join me on this, my one-year anniversary episode, not only because she's been consistently encouraging on my podcast journey, but also because she's a great example of what it means to be intellectually healthy. In the interview, we talk about how podcasting is a powerful way to support intellectual health. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences defines intellectual health this way. The intellectual dimension of wellness encourages creative, stimulating mental activities. An intellectually well person uses the resources available to expand one's knowledge, improve one's skills, and create potential for sharing with others. Now, I'm not saying that everyone should have a podcast, but compelling studies show that learning a new challenging and uncomfortable skill is imperative for keeping your brain functioning at its best. I hope you enjoy the episode. This is Alexandra De Palma, Alex for short, and we met last summer when we uh, started the podcasting fellowship journey together. Uh, You and Seth Godin came up with a concept, and I was part of the first cohort. I can't Uh, believe that. (laughs) Doesn't that feel like so long ago? But it was almost like a year. Yeah, and we're going into number four here pretty soon. So I'm so excited that you're going to be involved in that, too. I wanted to talk to you today about your journey, the journey that you helped me begin with podcasting, Mm -hmm. uh, how we met, how you started this, and really the honor today is to have you on the podcast. The reason why I wanted to have you on today is to talk about intellectual health. I want to expand upon that notion that We must always continue learning, and you do that through stepping outside of your comfort zone. I would have never thought I would have started a podcast, and there are many a day where I think to myself, why are you doing this to yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you keep doing this? Can you keep going? And then something happens, like you answer an email and say, yes, I'll do this, or I'll have another amazing guest say, yes, I'd like to do this podcast. And I get to learn something new all the time um, and expand my way of thinking and meet new people. Mm-hmm. I talked to somebody in Australia and somebody in England. I would have never been able so to do amazing. that before this. Right. So you have been very instrumental an inspiring um, pillar in my life uh, in the past year to help me, again, keep getting better. So I thank you for that. I thank you. This is such an honor for me, honestly. I mean, it's so amazing that you're 
like I just remember in TPF one hearing your intros when we would record just like the practicing an intro for the podcast and you just have such an amazing voice for it and you're such a warm and generous host. So I'm so thrilled to be on the show with you. It's really fun and exciting. So why don't you start off by telling us how you got into storytelling through journalism and then podcasting? Yeah, yeah, that's a really, that's a good question. So I started, basically, I um, arrived at it rather accidentally, I would say. I mean, I was in college. I was like, you know, this was around 2009 that I graduated college. And that was like a period where, I don't know, things with the economy are always kind of bad. But it was a situation where I was like, I'm going to go to graduate school instead of graduating, getting a job. It wasn't a kind of situation where I was like, you know, some people grow up dreaming to be a doctor, dreaming to be something. It wasn't really a situation like that. I was kind of like a senior in college trying to figure out what the best fit would be next. And the best fit in my mind was journalism school. Um, And so I ended up going to journalism school at NYU. And I had an amazing professor there who I still keep in touch with. Maybe she should be on your podcast. She's very much about intellectual health. But she funny enough, kind of just said in an offhand way one day that I have, as I just said to you, have a nice voice for radio, and maybe I should look into taking the radio class at NYU. Although I enjoyed it, I definitely kind of fell more into like the producer role. And I loved the idea of um, kind of like facilitating other people's storytelling and being part of that. And again, as you're saying, like, listening, being able to listen to other people's stories. And I remember even in those very early assignments in journalism school, when we would just have those very beginning assignments of like getting man on the street interviews, like going up to people in New York city, just random people and asking them about their day. There was always a little something in there that was like enlightening or at least, or interesting or something new that I learned. My, my job after that, I was, I went to Minnesota public radio, which is, I didn't know this. It's one of the biggest public radio stations in the country. I came from New York to Minnesota. It was really cold and everyone in the Midwest, you're a Midwestern. Everyone's Midwest is different. They're a little, they're a little cold when you first meet them. But I was lucky enough to like, to have this amazing boss who became a mentor and she was the host of a daily radio program that I produced. And so there was a lot of storytelling involved in that. And then I worked in TV after public radio for a little while. The depth of storytelling that you, in certain kinds of television, I was working in TV news. So it was different. There would like, it would be, you know, three to five minute segments or something. Um, And those, that kind of storytelling is definitely a different kind of storytelling than the long form audio storytelling that I was used to. So that's when I got back into podcasting. And that's when I was fortunate enough really to meet Seth Godin. At that point, I was kind of like doing my nine to five job. You know what I mean? And I was like comfortable, but it was really Seth who kind of like gave me permission. He would, he would never say that he gave me permission, but like, you know, there are always people that make you feel that you have permission to kind of go out and do something that you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have taken the chance on before. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where I'm at now teaching the podcast class with Seth and go, I have my own podcast production company called Domino Sound and we're working on original podcasts. It sounds like it's been a wonderful ride. How do you stay inspired and come up with new ideas to pursue in podcasting? I love to collaborate with people. So part of the joys of like starting this new production company is being able to surround myself and basically employ friends of mine whose opinions and ideas and, and all like people who I just trust even more than I might trust my own ideas and myself. So I think 
the collaborative nature of podcasting, and especially now that I'm able to kind of do my own thing. So for instance, one of the recent podcasts that we released, our first Domino original podcast is called Raising Rebels. That's meant for black parents, black millennial parents. And my close friend and collaborator, her name is Nolika Radway. She's the host of this podcast. And she's, um, she lives down the street from me. I've been friends with her for a couple years. And she's, um, you know, like a generation older than me. So she has three kids and a family. And she just has such an amazing mind for content and hosting. And she, like you, she's just such a natural host. And so to be able to work with her, you are, but like (laughs) she has had that many more experiences and that much gone through that much more stuff where it's like, I can trust her in ways that I, about things that I might not know myself. So the way that I get inspired is really just like meeting new people, hearing new stories. And so I think I'm probably fortunate enough to be in Brooklyn and like a lot of creative circles where it's just, there's people who I constantly want to use as talent for my podcast. The most rewarding thing I hadn't prior to the podcasting fellowship done any teaching. I've done like a little speaking on panels or whatever, but getting emails from like prior students about how their podcasts are doing, appearing on previous students' podcasts, it's, it's so gratifying in a way that I never would have expected. And it's like, that's, that's a huge inspiration as well. One of the things that would have stopped me originally mm-hmm. when I, and actually kind of did when yeah. I first got the email, I remember being terrified <laughs> and I closed the email and then <laughs> a couple nights I went back and I opened it again and I thought, hmm, there's something here which sparked so much emotion. I need to respond. Hmm. Part of the hesitation was, oh, who wants to listen to me? I have the audacity to host something. What do I have to add? I'm just another drop in the ocean. And then I also thought you had to be more of an extrovert, Hmm. a natural extrovert to host a podcast. So what would you say to someone who is leaning more towards being introverted like I was, Mm -hmm. am still? Yeah. You would never tell that you're introverted though on on the mic. Like there's definitely, I think there are definitely people who, sound introverted on mic and that can be a problem for people you know what I mean there's that's not Mm. something you can't overcome but you again I keep saying it you sound like a natural though but I would say Seth and I through iterations of this course have kind of like thought of it in different frameworks so the first one I think we kind of framed it as podcasting is the new blogging and in that sense it's kind of like it's not necessarily um the question of why would anyone want to hear me? Because that is a big question. And that's, that's probably why I'm a producer and not a host. You know what I mean? Cause I feel that way too. Like, but so that's one thing, maybe you could become a producer if you really feel that way. But another thing more than that is this is also an exercise in just getting your own voice out there. It's an exercise in for yourself. It's an exercise in creativity. Seth is very much a proponent of no matter what, like, it doesn't matter if there's one person reading your blog, the act of writing a blog post every single day and getting something down on the page and being creative in that sense and thinking in that way is very valuable to people. And that's what I think I would say to people who have that kind of hesitancy is do this for yourself first, like see what kind of skills this can open up and what kind of communication skills, because that's the podcasting class and the skills that you can acquire from learning how to podcast are translated in so many different parts of your life. There was somebody who um, sent a testimonial into one of the podcast after one of the podcast fellowships and said, basically, like, 
the quality of their conversations with friends and family, just like generally has improved by like, like it used to, he was like, I used to, I feel like if I had to rate my conversations pr- previously, it would be like, I was at like a five out of 10 and now I'm at like a nine out of 10, just in terms of like communication and listening, because it's something that like, when you're like this on mic, you have to be listening to the person. You have to be mm-hmm. responding in the moment. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a unique perspective. And there's value in that too. And that's like something that you can creatively share and not even just share. It's not like it necessarily has to be a memoir, but you can work that into the subject matter that you're talking about. Like I, the subject matter of your podcast, intellectual health is so genius. Like it's such an interesting thing to talk about and it's something that's really unique. And that isn't necessarily like telling your life story, but that's like, you've adapted your interest and your experience into Mm -hmm. something that would make an interesting podcast. So to go back, I want to hear about why you decided, why you were interested in starting a podcast at all. I wasn't. Um, I've been, (laughs) I was, uh, I've been a big fan and follower of Seth since I stopped practicing medicine Uh, in 2011. My brother-in-law, who was one of the original guests on the podcast, Mm. recommended this blog. And so I started reading this daily blog for inspiration I get this invitation with your name and Seth's name about starting a podcast, and it was geared towards students at first, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it said, but still, anyone can consider this. The emotion that I felt was anxiety, like, no, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And so I literally closed my iPad and walked away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ran away. Um, I, I certainly <laughs> did. I didn't open it up for another couple of days. For some reason, I didn't delete it. And so I went back and I read it and I said, you know what? It was nighttime. I thought, let me take a chance. And I remember just quickly, without giving myself more time to be nervous, typing in my application mm-hmm. and going, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, period. I'm not going to think about this anymore. And then I get this email a few days later saying, you're in. And I remember running up to my kids and going, oh my God, I got in. Yeah. And then it was just a matter of trusting the journey. And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing because I got to be in this with so many other people Mm -hmm. globally connecting with other people who are very passionate about a subject Mm -hmm. and wanting to expand and explore that with others. My schooling was not a fun process. Mm. That was part, that was partially on me too, but it just, I never had fun in school. Mm -hmm. I knew it was a way to get a job done. I liked learning though. And I didn't realize that until later on in life and what the podcast fellowship did was offer me a way to be in a supportive classroom. Mm -hmm. So it just really altered my way of thinking about what a classroom could be. It didn't have to be sitting in, listening to a didactic lecture, being feeling really disconnected and Mm -hmm. being forced to, or having to, yeah, memorizing (laughs) and having in order to survive. It wasn't about survival. Now it was about thriving with Mm -hmm. people who really cared and with people who were really encouraging and not just the, oh, Nadine, you're so great. It wasn't like that. Yeah, Yeah, there there were times where people said that, but there were other times where people pushed me and said, great start, but can you articulate this in a different way? I'm going to push you a little bit more out of that comfort zone. Right. So that's why I did it. And that's why I continue to do it. Because even after stopping 
the podcast fellowship or having graduated last um, August, I'm still in touch with so many people and it's a great network and they're continuously encouraging and continuously helping to push me to be on my limits. Right. Right. That makes total sense. And I mean, that's, that's even what you're saying though, like running upstairs and telling your kids, like I got in, that's, I feel like that kind of thing is so rare for an adult to kind of be able to do and be excited about is like, I'm going to try this completely brand new thing that I've never done before. And that maybe like, and as you're saying with, with a lot of education, it's like getting a job done and eventually getting a job. Like this is eventually my learning is going to be like monetized in some capacity. You know what I mean? And that's not to say, obviously my profession is podcasting. So that's how I make money. But it's also interesting, like to take that leap into something that you're not necessarily immediately going to be like making money off of or getting big rewards off of immediately. I'm so glad that you decided to do it. The other thing, when you were talking earlier about one of the testimonials from another uh, grad Mm -hmm. about improving your communication, Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that to happen either. But when you have to do that editing, which is still not my favorite part, but... Oh my God, it's not mine either. (laughs) (laughs) But the editing has taught me so much about my own language, Mm -hmm. about my own vocal tics, communicating in a more concise and clear fashion. And I think it's improved too. I find myself doing that same when I listen back to myself, even in interviews like this. I have the tendency to, as you're saying, like fill space a little bit, like ramble a little bit. And it is so... It's so funny to listen back to yourself and be like, I could have just stopped like five minutes ago, but <laughs> there I go. You know, it's very, it's definitely an interesting exercise listening back to yourself. Dude, this is a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to accept challenges and failures and mm-hmm. have the desire and mental flexibility to learn from those things. So what would you say to somebody about how podcasting helps an individual do that? Yeah the biggest challenge is kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit before is the idea. And that's why I think Seth kind of frames it as podcasting as a new blogging, because you're not going to have a huge audience at first and you really may never have an audience at all. And so I think the challenge with that kind of creative work and, and learning a skill like podcasting that might not have an immediate reward, both monetary and even for your own ego. Like it's, it's definitely a challenge mm-hmm. when you put in all this work and you spend seven weeks in the class learning how to edit. And it's like, my podcast has like one listen and it's like my mom. That's why I think it's a good exercise again, just to envision doing it for yourself and on your own. And, and I think the challenge there is accepting that not everything you do needs to have an audience and needs to be for prestige. You know what I mean? I think like my own podcasting journey, like I, I worked at big podcasting companies and worked on a bunch of like shows that had huge audiences, but some of the most gratifying projects I've worked on have been on my, in my free time. When I, let's say worked at my nine to five job at at a big podcast company, stuff that I just recorded with my friends in our living room or recorded like in our friends apartments. Like there's a podcast called junk that I did with my friend, Tommy Pico, who's a poet And it's something we just did last summer together. Like every week we would go to one of our writer friends' apartments and talk about a little, it was like, it was called junk because he had a a book of poems of the same title, but we would talk about like their most prized possessions that had no inherent value compared to a lot of the podcasts I work on had basically no listeners. You know what I mean? But that was something like I spent a lot of time with my friend and we had these amazing conversations with like brilliant writers and artists and we were able to record them. 
So that in itself was kind of like a win. So I think the, the challenge is like figuring out how to frame it in a way that makes it valuable for you. When you mentioned ego, every time in different forms of podcasters, that's what people are talking about. Right. How can I grow my numbers? How can I grow oh, my numbers? Right. And I feel like it's distracting yeah. and it can be quite discouraging. Yeah. Advice about not letting that deter that's a really good question. And I'm actually struggling with this. A podcast that probably my favorite podcast to work on is called Food for Thought. I'm sure I've talked about it in the podcast fellowship, but it's a podcast featuring four queer writers of color who talk about books and pop culture. And that was a podcast, again, that was actually something I did um, as a total side project when I was at my regular job. And it grew into something that like was a moneymaker for all of us. We're going on like national tours now. We're like, we're entering into our fourth season, but like our audience, let's say season one, we had tiny listeners, like a thousand listeners an episode. Season two, it shot up to like 50,000 listeners an episode. You know what I mean? We had a lot of listeners. And then it kind of like leveled off a little in season three and started to like dip a little. And we're all mm. kind of like, what, what are we doing wrong? Like what's happening? And, and basically like not only, so two things, I think the advice is it's a good opportunity to like take a good look at what you're doing and seeing whether there's room for your content or your approach to actually improve. So like we took a hard look at that. And in season three, what had happened was we, the, the podcast itself is hosted by four hosts and it's like a round table discussion. And those four hosts are, you know, like our fans love them. Like they know them by name. They follow those hosts in season three, one of the hosts moved to LA. And so we would end up cycling a bunch of guests in for the fourth host. And like, when we took a look at like the numbers, it was kind of like, it's probably, and, and when listening back to those episodes, myself, even I edit all those episodes, I'm like, some of these episodes aren't as strong as the ones where we had our original fourth host, mm -hmm. like the ones in season two. So for season four, we're readjusting and we finally like wooed our fourth host, who's our like, you know, Tommy Pico, actually the same one. He's like fully on board for season four. He's going to be hundred percent in on all the shows. We're going to like take trips to LA to record as much as we can. He's going to come to New York to record. But basically I think that can also be an opportunity for an adjustment um, and an opportunity to kind of like get creative again and see if there's a way to change what you're doing, improve what you're doing. And if not though, if like you are doing exactly what you want to do and you're making the content you want to make and you're like, I either don't feel like it's going to be worth my time or like the investment of my time and resources to make a change right now, then don't even worry about it. You know what I mean? Like if you're dropping a few thousand listeners or whatever, like that, again, that's not that big of a deal in a lot of, in a, in a lot of different ways. Like it's, it's not like, again, it's not like we're making a ton of money off of this, you know, basically I think, I think it's kind of just a question of whether or not you can improve on what you're doing. And maybe that's a reflection of the numbers going down or just saying, which we say in the very beginning of podcast fellowship, don't even look at those numbers and keep doing what you're doing and have fun with it. So yeah. I think either, either one of those things. Thank you very much for being on the show. I have my That's last question, which I yeah. ask everybody. Yeah. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? My personal definition, the thing that immediately comes to mind is balance. And so to me, when I feel my most healthy, I'm not working all the time. I'm not partying all the time, obviously. And I'm, I'm somebody who loves routine. Healthiness is a balance in which I'm like in my routine, exercising, doing my work, seeing my friends, like eating good. You know what I mean? All of the classically healthy things. But the main thing for me is making sure that there's a balance of each of those things.
What's your definition? No one's ever asked me that. Really? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's so funny. Okay. Recognizing that I have to take care of all those dimensions in my life, but that sometimes they are going to be off Mm. and not to take that as a moment of failure, personal failure, and that I can't find my way back to improving. A very big example of that is we just had a lot of change in in Mm -hmm. our lives. My husband and I, as recently, since August of 2018, our youngest daughter went to college Mm -hmm. and it was becoming more difficult for my husband to be able to handle his increasing workload and the commute. Mm. So we were planning on moving in a couple of years, but we found the house. Okay. And so we wound up moving in December and I had to give up all of my classes in the area I had built up. That's a lot. And as a way, and it was, and I didn't Mm -hmm. realize it at the time, Mm -hmm. but as a way to cope, unfortunately, I'm a person who loves to cook. Mm. And I do need to exercise a lot just for my physical and my mental well-being. And those things started to slide in those few months because we were busy moving boxes and routine. Yeah, that's a different, a big change, right? No routine anymore. Mm -hmm. I stopped eating as well. I wasn't exercising as much. And before I knew it, I'm heavier and I'm feeling terrible and I'm feeling lost because I don't have the things around me that I used to have. Mm -hmm. And so as as things have started to settle down in the last month or two, I'm starting to get back into a routine. I'm exercising more, cooking again. I'm doing those things that I know I need to do for my own mental well-being. It was an opportunity for me not to beat myself up Mm -hmm. because oh, I didn't, I'm not perfect. And I didn't stick to my routine and look at me. I gained all this weight. And yeah. And so it was a big learning opportunity for me to know that life is cyclical, right? Right. So there are going to be times where it feels out of control, Yeah. but there, there's always an opportunity to get back and do better. Right. So that's a big lesson that I've learned. I love Um, that takeaway, that idea that like, you kind of have to just go with the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows. Cause I I'm with you. I'm the same way where it's kind of like, if things are a little off, I'll end up getting really down on myself and feeling like things are going to be off forever. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what happened. I'm off track. Um, but you're right. I think that's, that's something I'm definitely going to take away from this conversation too. Like you kind of just have to, it's, and this is something that Nolika, my friend and host of Raising Rebels, she always is talking about the process, you know what I mean? And how it's like part of the process. And a lot of a lot of stuff that can feel like wasted time, like like stuff that you did that wasn't working feels like a huge waste of time. But like recognizing that that's part of the process, like on the way to getting it right has been really helpful for me, too. Yeah. Well, Alex, thank you so very thank much you for so inspiring much. me. Me, too. About you. I can't wait to meet you in person. We've got to do soon. that. I'm yes, going to take a Chicago trip. Yeah. It'd be awesome. And now it's time for practical tips. This is for mind, body, and spirit. Be adventurous and learn a new skill. In spite of that internal critical voice saying, I can't. The more complex the skill, the better. There are plenty of ways to do this. You can enroll in an online course. And the bonus is, there's no pressure of having to get credits or a grade. 
You can go to your local community college and try just one class per week. You can learn about a subject completely out of your comfort zone. Here's an example. I'm taking a popular online class right now that has an extensive on-demand library of classes. I decided to pick a writing class. I'm not a writer, but I sure am learning a lot about the art of communication using the written word. So be brave, be curious. And finally, everybody, I have an ask or two. On this, my one-year anniversary of the podcast, thank you so very much for listening. I thank each and every one of my brilliant and beautiful guests. The first year for me was all about believing that I could be a podcaster and sticking with it. Ultimately, it was a product of my desire to serve my community and to connect with others. I want the content to be relevant and useful to you ladies, and I cannot do this without you. In year two, I want to hear from you. I'd like suggestions for podcast subjects or guests. I'd also like you to share what are your favorite episodes and why. Email me at yogimd at yogimd.net. And finally, please share your favorite episodes with someone else. Subscribe to the podcast and please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you are a subscriber there. Check out the show notes for details about this episode and for links to the podcast where you can subscribe. As usual, thanks for being here. See you next time.